Hello everyone, here is a conversation with uh, Alejandro Rodriguez Dominguez. Alejandro is the head of quantitative research and analysis at uh, Miranda Bank, an institution in Spain. Um, while being skilled, of course, in quantitative finance, he, are, he has a really strong background, uh, um, also academically, in computer science and uh, machine learning. Uh, in fact, I think we mentioned often the, the similarities between uh, autonomous driving and uh, portfolio management. Um, nevertheless, uh, since he got this role in Miralta Bank, uh, um, he's been pushing a lot his research out, uh, not only for marketing uh, reasons, I think we, we mentioned this explicitly in the conversation, but also because he believes, we share this belief, I would say, that uh, sharing research enables the process to get uh, better and better and to get better results at the end for the, for the institution uh, in this case. Um, um, I would say we, we talk about many topics uh, technically, uh, uh, about the, the statistics, the reference statistics. Uh, an interesting topic is probably uh, a research is doing on uh, the combination of causality and uh, Bayesian reasoning, let's say. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, one doesn't necessarily need to give up the, the Bayesian framework and start to reason in terms of causality, but can talk about what's called probabilistic causality. And he, he presented this idea to me. Um, what else? Well, yeah, as I said, reference statistics, uh, the best way to estimate risk, the concept of risk more in general, from Markowitz onwards, and uh, th this idea to kind of use the same principles of, of machine learning, so to, to, to find a higher dimensional basis in which things look better, uh, estimate risks in, in this nonlinear sense, and then bring it back to the physical world in which one has to take decisions. Um, so it was a really dense conversation for me also. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. And uh, here is the conversation. Thank you for the time, okay. uh, for this Friday afternoon slot. Uh, I guess you're, <laughs> you're tri tired of the week, but uh, uh, I hope we, we can uh, bring out some interesting ideas uh, associated with your uh, your personal career and your and the work you're doing in Miralta Bank. So, uh, sure. So uh, well, um, as I say, thank you very much uh, for the invitation. Um, my my name is Alejandro Rodriguez Dominguez. I'm uh, from Spain. Uh, I'm basically uh, I am the head of uh, quantitative quantitative research and analysis at Miralta Bank. Mm -hmm. um, basically, uh, well, my my background uh, I started uh, as an engineer, uh, mining and energy engineer in in, in Spain is a five-year degree uh, that was mining focused energy. mainly mining mining and, and energy so basically it's uh, focused on uh, everything related to you know the underground and uh, you know doing mining mines uh, tunnels uh, every everything you want to build from the underground you need uh, you need to be signed by a by a mining engineer in Spain uh, it's their competence mm -hmm. but as well they are focused on uh, natural resources and they have a very powerful, um, you know, academic uh, branch uh, focused on in energy. Uh, mm -hmm. So I specialize on energy and energy resources, as well as uh, on finance, right? Uh, and then I continue working and studying uh, in finance uh, since then. I, end up, I ended uh, this degree in 2012. And since then, I've been working in, in Paris, in, in VMP, uh, as well as studying finance. Then I moved to London. I spent time working on the sales and trading department in BBVA uh, London, it's the Spanish bank. I studied at Imperial College 
a master's in financial engineering and, and risk management uh, with with the goal to moving from uh, for uh, to, to a quant- uh, more on the on the quant side right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I i worked in in nomura in the quantitative solutions department for for asset back securities and uh, in society general uh, in the fixed income cross asset uh, financial engineering team and then it was around like 2015 and end of 2015 when i realized i th- th- there was there was not much uh, of machine learning going on in the financial sector around then but i realized there were some hedge funds looking at it uh, there was coming some noise about the powerful the power of uh, machine learning in in the financial sector so i become kind of obsessed with machine learning i started studying it mm-hmm. and uh, because i wanted to be more kind of full-time studying it i decided to come back to to spain and start mm-hmm. you know masters uh, phds uh, related to 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 machine learning and, and applied to finance i did a masters in computational fi- in, in computational statistics uh, fo- with a focus on machine learning i even started a phd with the department of uh, intelligence systems uh, in one university in Spain, this this department mm-hmm. was focused on on uh, time series predictions with the neural networks, but it was focused mainly on the electricity market. And I wanted to apply that to the financial, uh, you know, financial time series. And, and and after you know almost one year trying to figure out a way to to basically tackle that problem. I realized that I was not in the appropriate place, you know, because they, they, they were people that uh, were focusing on predicting time series in the electricity market. The electricity mm-hmm. market is, is highly regulated. There's not uh, much variables that are involved in, in in trying to predict those time series. It's not by far the same thing as mm-hmm. trying to predict something like the S&P 500, right? Mm-hmm. You really need uh, to be careful about the variables that you are inputting into the model uh actually probably that's 90 percent of all you know what what variables mm-hmm. are going to input into the model to try to predict this and p500 and for that you know either you have you know a big machine and access to all the data in the universe or you need to have access to people practitioners that can give you you know kind of uh the knowledge that they have and will allow you to uh with the as well with machine learning tools to get more close than than basically what I was doing there, right? So mm-hmm. I ended up saying, okay, any any model in 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 I think it was 2017. I was trying to to do the first application of uh, long short term memories to financial mm-hmm. time series. There was there wasn't published anything about that uh, yet. But um, you know you cannot just do a PhD based on one model trying to predict a time series and have a minimum uh, excess of uh, forecasting uh, accuracy. So I decided to uh, keep working on on the financial sector i got a job in miralta miralta bank and i wanted basically to 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 stay uh, close to practitioners that they have a lot of knowledge in the financial sector they might not be quants or might not have a lot of knowledge in partial differential equations or mm-hmm. you know neural networks but they know from experience the relationship between all the variables involved in the market and that's highly valuable for a quant in order to to have that you know level of of uh, interaction between inputs and outputs right and and after after basically all these years working in in Miralta bank uh, in which i also did a masters in artificial intelligence because i wanted to to, to stay you know 
working and studying at the same time and i did a, a master's mm -hmm. with a, a irish university in a, in a distance uh, learning format i uh, recently you know give give it a second chance to to, to that phd uh, in a distance format as well in a with with the reading university mm -hmm. um with a with a with two professors that are basically very very they're they're rewarded in the in the fields of uh, you know uh uh, dynamical systems, uh, machine learning, and all this stuff. So uh, they are not uh, much uh, knowledgeable of finance, but for me that's not an issue because actually I'm focusing more on trying to to find ways uh, to um, so that, for example, uh, machines can avoid the catastrophic forgetting. You see, mm -hmm. uh, this is basically an issue with machine learning tools that. Uh, they can um, suffer from catastrophic forgetting when they are dealing with multitask um, multitask uh, uh, issues, uh, and this is, for example, relevant actually in finance because when you are having a when you are when you have a model in production uh, dealing with a trading strategy, because the market is non-stationary, you basically want uh, the multimodality of your model to adapt to different distributions, and so that's I'm basically applying more uh, in the PhD the problem uh sorry the the solution applied to to computer vision specifically uh, mm -hmm. autonomous driving uh, vehicles but there is a lot of synergies uh, between autonomous driving and portfolio management you you wouldn't realize how much uh relations are uh, you know in terms of modern in terms of systematic uh, approach to investing there's a lot of connections between autonomous driving and portfolio systematic portfolio autonomous portfolio management and and so yeah i'm focusing on on that on that goal and uh, with regards to miralta bank uh, basically it's a company that was found uh, found uh, funded in 2010 mm -hmm. uh, by uh, some of uh, you know the some some ex uh, portfolio managers of top hedge funds and and some head of traders of of or head of trading of some Spanish banks that with a lot of experience in the industry they they formed first a securities company that was basically um, trading uh, fixed income and FX uh, products either with prop trading or intermediation mm -hmm. with the institutional clients then they grew up more uh, and they uh, bought uh, a retail broker from a big company that had a retail broker they they added attached that to their business so a, a retail broker online retail broker was added to the business they also started um, in 2013 mm -hmm. uh, one of the most uh, powerful franchise in europe for asset-backed securities mm -hmm. this is mainly because they were the people that founded the company they used to work for a, a hedge fund, for hedge funds p2008 that, mm -hmm. that they were experts in asset-backed securities. They had a lot of big, big, big positions in, in ABS uh, market, uh, which basically turned up to be, you know, all bust in 2008. But mm -hmm. what they basically realized is that all those ABS that mostly become, you know, uh, with zero value after 2008, uh, what they realized is that uh, they didn't have zero value. You know, just because the rating agencies say they have zero value doesn't mean they have zero value. You are having you know, tens and twenties percent of yield in those uh, investments, and just because the some rating agencies they say that it has zero value doesn't mean it is truly 
as, uh, as zero value. So uh, they bought those uh, securities and it becomes highly profitable because in the end, after 2008, in 2010 or, or something like that, all those ABS, suddenly they grew up substantially and they made a lot of money mm -hmm. on that investment. And Was then there they, a, a quant perspective uh, already or? Yeah, I mean, the, the, they, 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 the, the people that work there uh, during that time, they, they come from the, so some of the top hedge funds in the world. So there is always uh, some quantitative aspect involved, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there, there might not be, uh, you know, something that you could find in uh, Two Sigma or Citadel or, right. or Area Lab that I recall that you sent me the link of Area Lab. But in the end, uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, people that use mathematical models for, for value this, uh, these positions and, and obtaining a fair value, right? They mm -hmm. actually continue trading on uh, other different um, uh, fixed income products, especially bonds as well. They 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 built up uh, a fixed income uh, platform, which basically was more quant based, in which basically they are able to to match uh, orders uh, from buyers buyers and sellers uh, of many many different uh, market makers uh, in the mm -hmm. bond market. And based on this appetite from the bonds, uh, together with the qualitative component of of those those bonds, the rating, seniority, and and other aspects, they are able to come up with a fair value of mm -hmm. every single bond in the European universe uh, of uh, bonds uh, that you can find. Almost all the important ones, almost like six thousand or seven thousand, and they they basically have a platform in which they allow clients to see the fair what they think is the fair value of a bond, mm -hmm. and that's very important from a relative value uh, perspective because it's not the same thing uh, the value that the market is implying for a bond than the fair value, right? That's exactly what a portfolio manager wants to do. He wants to estimate what's the fair value because you always uh, they, they, it, it would always revert to the fair value in the end, mm -hmm. the, the 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 price that the market is implying, and 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 that's the way. For example, they have been selecting uh, bonds for their portfolios. Uh, mm -hmm. In 2015, they started um, an asset management uh, business. They created uh, a fixed income fund and an equity fund. And for example, in 2020, uh, well, uh, the European Universe. Sorry. Yes. Uh -huh. Well, the 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 fixed income fund is uh, global. Mm -hmm. and, and and the and the equity fund is uh, from Europe and in 2020 for example they in the covid crisis they 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 were they were the first the first funds in the in the morningstar list of uh, funds you see in the ranking morningstar has ranking for different type of funds uh, mm -hmm. fixed income equity equity europe so they, 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 they become the, the first in their categories into the, into the 2020 COVID crisis. And the, the fixed income hub fund uh, is like one of the best uh, in their category uh, since then, because it has been mm -hmm. the top uh, of the category in 2020, uh, in the top five uh, of the next two years. The, the portfolio manager was uh, named like top three in the um, city wire, which is kind of a, a, a a price they give to all portfolio mm -hmm. managers in fixed income, so, and they use this 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 tool, right? This fair value tool that basically is is based on quantitative uh, uh, approaches to to determine the fair value of, of a bond, right? And and well, regarding the company, uh, then apart from this asset management business and the broker side, 
the intermediate the intermediation uh, department uh, grow grow it as well they they, they become very popular in, uh, in 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 what is uh, institutional brokerage of of uh, abs and fixing of products they also um and in the end in 2022 uh the bank of spain give them uh, the license to to uh, the banking license. So in the end, Miralta Bank uh, start uh, uh, right. being a bank since uh, 2022, so they can uh, provide financing uh, services and 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 you know every every single operation that a bank uh, can can perform. Right, right, interesting. Um, a question on what you mentioned, really interesting uh, about the the definition basically of fixed income income fund. Is it about the, the properties of the financial product you end up building? What does it mean to be well, a no, basically, basically, a uh, fixed income fund uh, basically means a uh, fund of fixed income products, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, fixed income uh, means uh, bonds, uh, or it can be uh, any other uh, sort of uh, pro financial product that basically okay. has attached a, an array of fixed payments in the in the future. Whereas, in contrast, uh, 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 an equity fund uh, is not a fixed income fund because in the end you don't know if the dividend is going to pay right. if the company is going to pay mm -hmm. a dividend or not so it's a random it's, it's a random income you're going to see in the future so that's why historically fixed income funds uh, is, um, is is when you are referring to uh, funds that invest in bonds uh, mm -hmm. or fixed income products and, and equities I would say right. and your research focuses on both or uh, only on equity fund let's say well I mean uh, my work uh, as a quantitative uh, research uh, and analysis, uh, you know, uh, since I started, initially was uh, providing uh, service to the to the asset management side. So basically, the fixed income fund, the equity fund, and there is also a fund of funds, mm -hmm. which basically consists on a portfolio of mutual funds. Okay, so mm -hmm. initially they have these three products, and basically. I started uh, developing um, tools uh, for uh, decision making in, in in all these funds. So let's, um, for example, one of the first um, projects I was involved is uh, trying to set up a time series clustering in which basically uh, you uh, end up having an embedding of of, a, of 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 different time series uh, in order to to be able to to compute a distance between between those time series and see uh, different ways uh, apart from you know the usual correlation and and also not only that but being able to represent in in in, in different dimensions not just mm -hmm. the usual matrix you can you, you end up having a, a, an embedding in three dimensions of the of the of the fund together with different other um, time series. They could be other uh, funds or they could be other macroeconomic series or um, any other, um, you know, time series you want to basically track a distance on your fund or on your financial product to see how it's related, right? Mm -hmm. And and what and also I was focused as well on, on trying to, to set up uh, forecasting, uh, forecasting tools, right, for, 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 for um, for the equity funds and the and the fixed income fund, basically with neural networks, trying to uh, uh, get uh, sensitivity information, mm -hmm. basically uh, from these neural network models of, uh, let's say, a individual asset of this fund or even the fund itself, mm -hmm. which uh, which 
which uh, what's the sensitivity of 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 this fund for example that uh, this portfolio manager is is um is um is managing what's the sensitivity to any other you know time series that is in the market and you realize that you know that's something that changes in time right it's actually something that has a dynamics on on its own mm-hmm. and when you understand that you are able to basically get all the bias of whatever people might think about you know the the behavior of the fund and you are able to analyze what are the drivers of 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 that fund right mm-hmm. um or or even a, a an individual uh, asset mm-hmm. uh, you are able to to extract uh, with uh, this sensitivity analysis uh, which are which is moving uh, this 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 um this financial asset and and then i started uh, working as well on on factor analysis uh basically trying to 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 to, to work more on this uh bias elimination right mm-hmm. because in the for example in the in the in the fund of funds this uh, portfolio of mutual funds mm-hmm. you know there is most of the business is is based on on what uh the dossier or the description of the fund says and the positions that that the that the portfolio manager has on each on of the other funds right if for example i am a portfolio of mutual funds and i want to invest in three mutual funds mm-hmm. uh, i have access to all the description of all those three mutual funds there is mutual fund one which basically may invest 60 percent in fixed income and 40 percent in in equity there is another one that might be uh, focused on on emerging markets, and the one focused on 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 US. And you you have access to all the 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 positions that they have been uh, okay. dealing with. But the thing is, that's that really represents reality. So basically, is it really the fund that is based on emerging markets? Uh, does it really behave like an emerging market fund? Because maybe it doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the emerging markets uh, is moved by 80% of the emerging markets uh, could be moved uh, just by the dollar, mm-hmm. for example, because there is some sort of event in one month. And you cannot capture this by looking at uh, the positions uh, mm-hmm. of, the, um, of, of this uh, description of the fund. So you end up having to do some factor analysis, trying mm-hmm. to extract what is the plan what what are the different sources of explanation of the variance of 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 this of this mutual fund and most of the time are you 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 will end up realizing that uh, the explanation uh, of uh, this variance of those funds is different than what the what what the dossier is giving you mm-hmm. you know the description of what the portfolio manager is pretend to be doing so that bias mm-hmm. that bias really what you want to delete right and and those are the typical quantitative tools that uh, that uh, are used so that the portfolio manager in the end can have a transparent view of, of what is exactly that he's dealing with right mm-hmm. then then um, I started um, this 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 um, this platform I, I I mentioned to you the that was uh, based on fair value of bonds mm-hmm. I started basically uh, building up a data infrastructure for for the for this uh, for this tool in which basically uh, it allowed me to add a temporal dimension because what the what the machine was doing in the uh, at the beginning is was just looking at the picture of, mm-hmm. of 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 what the market was doing at one at what point in time 
and giving you a, a fair value based on that, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, with me and my colleagues, what we end up doing is basically compiling all the information that with what's what uh, had been um, you know saved over the last uh, eight years. We compile all that information into a, into a database, uh, and we were able to then apply uh, machine learning and statistical techniques on the temporal dimension, mm -hmm. and to build uh, analytical tools for the for the portfolio managers. That uh, I mean, there's tons of information that you, that, and also tons of, of insights that you that you can get from there because you you end up having uh, all the qualitative information from a bond, but also the the time series of the fair value, the time series of the price, the time series of the yield, the time series of even the time series of the rating because the rating could change, right? So you end up having a lot of information that you can cross, and you can make clusters of those bonds and try to compare different clusters because um, if you want to have a full picture, for example, of a market, uh, you cannot go element by element over the ten thousand mm -hmm. positions that could be traded on that market. But if you find clusters that make sense on those uh, on this market, let's say for example the European fixed income market, and you find uh, the relationships between those clusters, then you are able to infer the, the dynamics uh, much better, and you have more transparency working on clusters rather than individual assets, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 that's basically one of the things we we have been doing, right? Trying to 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 form these clusters, trying to see the bias between these clusters and the qualitative aspect of these clusters, right? Trying to see if there is an arbitrage, right? Mm -hmm. If you have, for example, uh, a cluster of, let's say, financials, uh, triple, uh, triple B bonds, mm -hmm. does, is, does, does this cluster statistically behaves as if they were all from the same bucket or is completely mm -hmm. different? Because if they're behaving differently, suddenly they will return back to the to the mean average, right? And uh, and 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 you basically have there an arbitrage, right? So mm -hmm. another another thing we we have been doing is trying to set up uh, among all the possible clusters that you can form over all these, let's say, fifty or sixty variables mm -hmm. um, that a bond can have. Imagine you have sixty variables uh, for one bond, and you have six uh, six thousand bonds you end up having trillions of combinations of possible clusters you can perform right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and basically what you are trying to do is trying to compute the spread between those clusters and see uh how far uh how far are over the mean right the set score in order to input let's say a statistical arbitrage trade or just to have an idea of those 10 clusters are 10 times 10 standard deviations uh, dispersed uh, over the trillions of clusters you have. So mm -hmm. Every single day you can have uh, different signals of 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 clusters that are uh, maybe tens more than five sigmas uh, over the mean dispersed. Right. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the difficult thing is trying to estimate all those test scores of all those combinations. Right. And we are working, for example, with uh, with a company trying to build a quantum computing algorithm that uh, allows us basically to to compute not all these combinations but but trying to mm -hmm. uh, trying to map this problem uh, of having to compute every single combination for example you traditionally will do it in a loop mm -hmm. all the different combinations that you are having trials trying to map this problem 
to a quantum computing problem with 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 networks and 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 graphs in which you basically simplify the problem and you are able to 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 use the quantum computing technology to to get all the combinations and see which are which of these clusters are dispersed. I don't know eight sigmas or seven sigmas. Mm -hmm. So these these are some of the things we 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 have been doing in the in the fixed income uh, fund. Also, the company that I work for has been highly involved in uh, in a product called Versa Versa Gestion, which is actually very 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 interesting uh, mm -hmm. for clients. Basically, it consists on a mixture between portfolio managers and and artificial intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, what it means is that anyone can uh, build a portfolio or can select uh, uh, multiple choices of uh, of their preferred portfolio. Then you will have an artificial intelligence uh, model, which consists of many different models that will uh, optimize from the selection of 60,000 uh, funds mutual funds that consist uh, the universe of mutual funds that uh, anyone can invest on it will pick the optimal ones based on the on the preferences of the user and then the user will have the optionality to select how much autopilot of uh -huh. these of this uh, portfolio they want to have and if for example they have they want 50 50 the model is going to do a constraint optimization and it's going to have 50% of the decision basically uh, run by a model, which basically has a short-term component and a long-term component. The long-term mm -hmm. component is based on uh, something that I mentioned in the, at the beginning of the, of the, of the talk, the, the, a time series embedding cluster in mm -hmm. which you basically are able to, 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 to have a more powerful tool than a correlation matrix uh, to have a, uh, similarities in terms of the behavior of these mutual funds, and then once uh, once this client has selected the constraints, obviously you get rid of a lot of funds because the constraints of the client. Maybe the client doesn't want to invest in China, so you get mm -hmm. rid of all the China, mm -hmm. or he doesn't want exposure to USA, you get rid of all the funds. So there are some constraints. Then, when all the constraints are are being met, then similarity comes into place, and and they we are able to track the similarity in time of, of these mutual funds and also not only that but also the persistence of of of, mm -hmm. of this similarity and and the way this is done is by running another algorithm that is uh based on uh, synthetic data so basically we generate synthetic data of all these uh, mutual funds and we are able to pass uh, the selected portfolio let's say the, the the final selected portfolio for the long term we're able to pass this portfolio across all these uh, synthetic data but over thousands and thousands of generations so that in order to have a portfolio that is robust in all mm -hmm. those generations right? right and in the end you are, you are you are having the most robust portfolio in the long term but also you have a short-term um capability in which basically uh because as as you already know in the market you have weights right so even if you have a long-term approach you're going to have weights and maybe one weight is going to crash your portfolio or you're going to crash your investment so you need a short term every time the tactical approach and for that uh we have also a short-term model in which basically we're analyzing every single change in the market and adapting the weights based on that right mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, this tool is another very powerful tool uh, that the company has and, and is offered to clients. Uh, I think there's a minimum of 10,000 euros or, I don't know, 20,000 euros that if you have that, you can invest and basically it's going to preserve your, it's, 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 a, it's a way for, for clients to preserve their capital instead of having one in the Mac account. Basically, they, they have they have a mixture of uh, portfolio managers' uh, capabilities and the most sophisticated models uh, in AI uh, mixture together to have optimal for portfolio for them. And... And yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, more things that uh, I were involved, then obviously the company grew, right? It turned into a bank and, and there are a lot of uh, systems that have to be changed because it's not the same thing when you are a, a company that is not a bank than when you are a company that is a bank. Obviously, you become a part of the regulatory environment of a bank that after 2008 is massive, the amount of regulation that is actually is, is painful the amount of regulation that it is in the, in the banking sector nowadays so uh, the things you need to do uh, to be regulatory efficient i mean you need a lot of systems uh, to track uh, your positions you need to give a lot of details in terms of risk mm-hmm. and in terms of pricing of of, of 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 every single position the bank has or even your clients mm-hmm. uh, this involves a lot of data workflows that uh, i'm currently designing with my team right in order mm-hmm. to optimize the the reporting as much as possible but as well well the the balance sheet um, management of the bank because in the end bank is a balance sheet it's itself and and you know in order to avoid what happened to S- SVV mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. basically yeah so yeah. perfect time for this discussion yeah yeah, uh, can I I'd like to ask you a couple of questions which are more let's say on, on the on your research uh, Field. You, you mentioned uh, two things on the one side um, uh, using clusters for uh, for risk management I guess that's the, the fair way to say it and factor investing so um, in what sense uh, and this maybe also goes into then the, the actual portfolio management and the and the framework you can use to to, to build a, an optimal uh, portfolio in some sense um, but isn't uh, a, a statistical factor the same as a, as a cluster or a, I mean in what sense is the difference to you and uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, in your mind, cluster, how, how, what's the relation between statistical factors and clusters? Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I think I think you talk yeah. in your works about uh, risk parity. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I can give you a, a a very, I think, interesting point of view from from that perspective, and and I think it has to do with the with with something that I have come across in 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 this sector every time, right? And um. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the fact that not everybody has clear what is the objective function they, they have, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, uh, the cluster is being is going to be defined by your uh, by your objective function, yeah. let's say, so to speak. So, so many people, uh, you know, try to to basically uh, use uh, statistical techniques to 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 form clusters, right? Mm-hmm. But those clusters could mean anything. It could right. be just a statistical pattern that happened one time in history and is never is never going to be repeated. So that's one thing that could be a cluster. That doesn't mean that follows your objective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it might follow the objective of some statistician because they just want to uh, capture that pattern. But mm-hmm. um, as I said, a cluster can be anything that matches your objective function. For example, in my case, 
if I want to uh, optimize for diversification, mm -hmm. I'm, first of all, you need to think about that diversification is a very general term because uh, many people can have different ideas of what they mean by diversification, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as you mentioned in some of the questions you sent me, Markovic. Markovic, uh, I think the key contribution of, of Markovic uh, to the world of finance is the, the concept of, of, of diversification, right? Mm -hmm. And how to and how to link that to risk. Uh, and I think that's very profound and allow many other people to develop more work over the last century and will keep people developing more work in the in, in the following centuries because what it gives us is the 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 idea that a portfolio can uh, diversify uh, our risk, right? And and it's important to to know how to build your portfolio, right? Um, having said that, it's true that then maybe because it was 1950 and there were not uh, too much computers that we have nowadays, they just focused on historical data, right, and historical moments of the distribution to measure this risk and and try to optimize the weights which is basically nothing to be said uh, wrong about it. Like the, the powerful thing about Markovic is the concept of diversification and the link to risk. It's not that they just basically used a quadratic optimizer based on the variance covariance matrix. That's not the powerful thing about, about Markovic. Uh, and and they basic, he basically opened the door to things that were developed after that probably if Markovic would have thought about his multiple theory nowadays, he probably wouldn't have used uh, a covariance matrix. He probably have mm -hmm. used something different, right? Because he probably would have linked diversification to 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 something more realistic, right? Than just the historical covariance matrix of of asset returns, right? But what, what I'm trying to say here is that uh, many people uh, are using uh, different models. Some of them are very sophisticated, but they are very powerful approximators, but they don't have clear uh, the objective they are mm -hmm. following because they are either focusing too much on the model and the complexity of the model and they are missing the point the the, the financial uh, aspects of the problem right mm -hmm. which basically Markovic had very clear from the beginning right the relationship between diversification and risk and 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 so based on that imagine any anyone can uh, can form a cluster based on anything, but mm -hmm. most of them would be wrong unless they have a clear understanding and a realistic understanding on, on, on what is risk. If they have a clear understanding uh, and, and this understanding is realistic of what is risk, then they can they can form a, a, a cluster that is going to be useful. Anyone can do a cluster. You mm -hmm. can use PCA, you can do Sephiroth clustering, you can use uh, even qualitative clusters. You can mm -hmm. just be, do a cluster based on the uh, age of the people in a city. You see, that's a quality mm -hmm. cluster. Does it really de give you something for decision making in the future? Well, for that you need your objective function. What do you want to uh, make for the future, or, or what do you want the future to give you? Right? When you want the future to give you return, expected return uh, you, to be maximized. Uh, when you want that expected return to be maximized in a week, in a mm -hmm. month, in a year. Or in 30 years, because you are someone that is, uh, you know, waiting for uh, for you to get old and 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 mm -hmm. spend that more. So it depends, right? It's it's not that uh, easy. Once you have cleared your objective function, then having a cluster is easy. It's just an optimization problem. Mm -hmm.
you see. But the difficult thing is having the objective function right, which is which is where most people uh, fail. Either because they copy something from another uh, person and with, without looking at the big picture, or or because they are able unable to to solve the the problem. Because that's also something that happens. One of the one of the issues from from Markovich uh, is basically that Markovich is giving you an efficient frontier, but you don't know when you're going to get that efficient frontier. The mm -hmm. first issue, first issue is that probably that efficient frontier for sure is unrealistic. You're not going to get that. It's just an estimation of the future that isn't realistic. But even though people is, are missing the first point, which is when you are getting that efficient frontier, you're getting it next week, you're getting next month, next year, you're, you don't have a temporal component, right? Mm -hmm. you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know anything about the dynamics of, of, of that solution, right? So so another, another approach could be, mm -hmm. okay, if I am able to, 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 if I am someone that has clear in mind my objective function, I want to diversify my portfolio and maximize my expected return, but I want that expected return to be maximized over the next year. Now I have clear my objective function. Now I can start solving my problem. And then probably what you would need to do is trying to model, you know, probably completely different than uh, what Markovich did or any other has done previously in the past because no one has uh, asked the same question that you ask it to your objective function, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's that's key. When, when you're talking about clusters, um, I already I already mentioned, right? It's, it's first becomes the, the objective one to define your objective function, then the algorithm is going to optimize and it's going to give you the the, the better cluster, right? In, for example, in, in our case, the paper we did is a clear example of of, of this, right? We 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 basically uh, thought about uh, diversification uh, in, in in simple terms, right? Let's say uh, my objective was, for example, to to in the paper of portfolio optimization, the hierarchical sensitivity parity. My objective uh, was to uh, obtain uh, more uh, an excess return, uh, a risk adjusted risk adjusted excess return, right? I didn't want to to get an extra an extra return like could, that you could do, for example, uh, being able to find some anomaly in the market or being able to find a factor uh, that nobody has found before, mm -hmm. so you are able to input a lot of capital in that factor and. And after it become crowds, you get all the return. No, my 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 goal was basically to say, okay, how can we diversify more than the existing frameworks or the existing uh, methods uh, can at the same level of return? Mm -hmm. And what I realized uh, was that for that, uh, I needed to understand first, um, you know, asset dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. How is that asset that is giving me the efficient frontier? How is going to behave in the next month? in the next week, in the next year, so that that efficient return becomes something more realistic than rather than just uh, yeah. an optimization solution in a quadratic optimizer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and we, we end up with, with, a, with a difficult task because how do you model an asset dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. I think, to be honest, that is a really, really hard problem and anybody can tell you the, the truth, right? And, and this is what, what we found that you're not able to find an answer for that. But what is more powerful is 
if you have cleared your objective function and your objective function is diversify a portfolio, why do you care about the dynamics of an asset if your objective function is diversification of a portfolio? Shouldn't be your, your focus the dynamics of, of a portfolio and not an asset itself? And then we start thinking, yeah, that makes sense because why should be focusing on a hard problem which is trying to find the dynamics, true dynamics of an asset? If we don't care about that for our problem, we have clear idea of what our objective function is, diversification in a portfolio, let's focus on the dynamics in a portfolio. So then what you end up doing is by knowing better your objective function allows you to bound, bound the problem. Mm-hmm. So narrow the problem and 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 and, and makes you uh, near or, or allows you to get near to, the, to to an optimal solution for your objective function. Now that we are focusing on a portfolio, how can we link the dynamics of individual assets to a portfolio? And then is when we realize the commonality principle, the one that we show in the paper, makes sense. Why? Because. And then also here it comes a second point. What do we mean by uh, optimal dynamics or optimal drivers, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are talking about uh, op- you are talking about dynamics of an asset, but what do you mean by dynamics of an asset? You need to define that first, okay? With, we we thought that the best thing to to define uh, an asset dynamics is that th- there must be something that is moving these dynamics. I mean, it's a principle in physics in everywhere. So there must be something that is moving those dynamics. And, and there, there must be some optimal drivers of these dynamics in an asset that for us, we realized from the beginning that were almost impossible to figure it out and, and, and almost useless for us because imagine for an individual asset, probably the, the optimal drivers change every hour. So it's, mm-hmm. it's mostly useless for an asset to try to identify what are the optimal drivers and, and trying to forecast in the future. That's the reason why most forecasting tools in individual assets don't work or they haven't been able to forecast more than a couple of minutes or mm-hmm. or maybe an hour because the optimal drivers you know change every time uh, and or they are very hard to identify but but the reason is by having cleared the objective function we focus on a portfolio then what are the optimal drivers for a portfolio and and also mm-hmm. what do we mean by optimal drivers and that's where we came up with that persistence and probability of causality not causality because Everyone is talking about causality, and uh, I think causality is something that is very difficult to measure. But that's why probability exists. We can't fo- you can't focus on probability of causality. There is a certain amount of probability you can estimate uh, something uh, a causal effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we 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 realize basically that if now that we have clear our objective function that is focusing on diversification on portfolios, now that we are focusing just on portfolios. Uh, uh, we don't care about asset dynamics. What's the connection between asset dynamics, given that that, that those dynamics are, are followed by drivers that are moving those dynamics? What's the connection between those optimal drivers between individual assets and the optimal drivers for a portfolio if we are talking about persistent and probability of causality for that optimality? Well, and that's what the commonality principle, which basically is a simple... Um, concept because the concept is really simple but in the end is, is is the key thing if you are able to find the common drivers that are mostly the, the optimal drivers for each individual asset that are mostly repeated among all those assets that form your portfolio mm-hmm. they are optimal 
drivers for, for your portfolio, right? And they are optimal in persistence and in probability of causality. And it become very, um, I, I don't know how to say, very, very, um, I mean, it become very, very, we, we were very happy to find that there was a connection between causality and correlation that allowed us to implement our method easily because there is a link between causality and correlation given by the common cause principle. Normally, you cannot make a link between correlation and causality, never. But there is one one specific uh, uh, place in which you can, which is uh, by the common cause principle. And it has a natural connection with our framework in that the commonality principle could leverage from the, if it's focused on causality and the drivers are common, we can use correlation right. to measure this commonness. And it actually, it's linked to, to, to something that Reichenbach did 60 years ago or 70 years ago, in which he was able to find that the probability of causality is connected to correlation when the when you have common drivers of those individual random variables, you say. Mm -hmm. So in the end, uh, by having, and, and the, the, the key, um, you know, the key takeaway of all this is that basically, if you have your objective function that is clear enough, then you can just bound your problem mm -hmm. to an optimal level in which you just find your solution very easily. The problem is that when you don't have clear your objective function, you will become lost in a lot of approaches that are either very difficult or they are not uh, appropriate for the things that you don't even know what you want, you see. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for us, it was very clear that having the objective function uh, well-defined allowed us to find the solution quite easily. And it's actually this, 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 this um, the method is quite easy because once you know that with correlation, you can approximate causality just by, by, by focusing on portfolios. When you focus on assets, individual assets, it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. It only works on portfolios and it only works if you use the drivers for a portfolio that are uh, optimal in persistence and causality, but on the portfolio if, as a whole. Yeah, on, on portfolios. And also, if then if, if you have a list, for example, of 10,000 drivers, let's say you have a sample of the market, mm -hmm. uh, you can have a sample of the market in a Bloomberg terminal, you get a 10,000 time series of every single public information that 80% of traders in the world uh, have access to. That's the market. You have all the information or 80% of the information that every single trader has access to. You can get all the data, put it, pull, pull it into a, into a database, and, and you have all those candidate drivers. And, and, and if you compute, for example, let's say you have a portfolio of 10 assets, uh, you compute the correlation, even the correlation with different lags, because you want to have, you know, just not, not just the correlation with, with lag zero. You want to know what's the correlation with different lags to see if there is some sort of lag in this in this in this uh, in in this correlation. When you compare, when you compute the correlation of these ten assets with all these ten thousand time series, there are going to be, let's say, five, ten, twenty winners. That's a parameter to decide what are the number of optimal drivers you want for your portfolio. It's obviously, mm -hmm. it's not going to be given everything. That's an hyperparameter. Let's say you want twenty optimal drivers. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're going to have twenty that are going to be the drivers that are correlated the most with all of the assets of your portfolio. Those are the common drivers. And they are also common cause 
based on this principle of of uh, Reichenbach, because they are common causing these assets commonly, and by saying commonly, you have the portfolio because the portfolio is a group, a group of these assets in probability. You are causing them in probability, mm -hmm. which is basically what we wanted in 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 advance, right? We wanted to 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 find that, and and once you have uh, this 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 problem formulated. Uh, then it becomes clear that if you want to adapt this to a problem of portfolio optimization, you need some sort of metric of these dynamics that you already know, because you have defined, I have defined already defined. You know that these dynamics are casual and persistent. You need some sort of metric to use to, uh, to use them in a portfolio optimization problem, so that you can take a decision based on the weights of your portfolio, mm -hmm. and that's where the sensitivities comes, right? You get the sensitivities of uh, each individual asset in your portfolio with respect to the these common drivers that are the winners among the full mm -hmm, market, mm -hmm. the common cause of rich and bad, uh, and, 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 and those sensitivities are used uh, as a way to, to optimize your portfolio with the advantage mm -hmm. that you are not using a metric that is, for example, correlation or a hierarchical clustering of the correlation. That mm -hmm. is what Lope de Brau did. You are not using something that is purely based on price information in a, in a historic point of view and the relationship between those assets. You are basically using dynamics information that is based on persistent and political casualty to um, put a weight on, on those assets in the portfolio. And implicitly, what you are adding is trajectory, right? Because we are doing that exactly when we are trying to approximate those dynamics, let's say with neural networks or with any model, because the good thing of this framework is that you could use neural networks, but you could use any other model that allows you to get a sensitivity. And to be honest, there are even statistical ways to find a sensitivity. Mm -hmm. You just vary the inputs for different levels. So how would you get a, a statistical measure of sensitivity? So let's say any model could allow you to approximate these dynamics you extract the sensitivities, and you're able to, to, to basically use them as a way to add that trajectory. Trajectory that basically, because how do you find those sensitivities? In the end, you're trying to predict in a data set, in a training data set, you're trying to predict the behavior of that asset given the common drivers. Mm -hmm. And then you move to the other asset of the portfolio and you do the same given as well conditioning on the same set of common drivers. So in the end, you're, you're estimating the conditional probability of your constituents of your portfolio, con conditional on the same set of common drivers. On, and those predictors, you're extracting the sensitivity information, which is going to give you the, the, the derivative, the dynamics of, of, of that approach, and, and using it to position your, your portfolio for the future. But it, it's, it's actually what is giving you is the information of how is the dynamics of 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 of, of this asset with respect to what is moving it to the future. So you are adding trajectory to the trajectory into the into the problem, right? And 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 one of the things you mentioned in, in the question that is actually very interesting, if you need to have some distributional assumptions or if uh, you are using uh, PDE, that means that is uh, basically um, deterministic or or what about using um, a stochastic differential equation? Or what? Why is beneficial to use stochastic differential equation for the buy side, and they have induced it, right? All those questions are re really, really important because you know, 
the key thing of our framework is that uh, is the selection of the optimal drivers as the common mm -hmm. drivers, right? Is the commonality principle. Once you select those drivers, the way you compute the conditional probability of each individual constituent or the portfolio conditional on the common drivers is completely free. You can use a multiple linear regression mm -hmm. to basically try to estimate what are the sensitivities. And your betas are going to be the sensitivities you're going to use for portfolio optimization. But you can do something better than just multiple linear regression mm -hmm. and trying to add nonlinearity to better estimate the dynamics. And the closest you are to the, let's say, short-term historical dynamics, the better, because then the sensitivities will be more realistic based on the data. And do you have to add mm -hmm. um, distributional assumptions? Not really, because what we do is we're trying to estimate the conditional pro uh, probability from the data. So it's an historical distribution. Mm -hmm. But you could, for example, if you want to avoid overfitting, because imagine, let's say, that you fit uh, the last month right. to position for the next month. And the dynamics suddenly change, because suddenly there is a Russia world starting in the next week. Mm -hmm. So you fit your model to your common drivers. Th those are the most persistent, are the most, but it was not contemplated that Russia were. Mm -hmm. So you could relax uh, the fitting parameter. Obviously, the, the, the best thing to do from a portfolio management perspective would be to rebalance your portfolio and add the crisis uh, mm -hmm. into the, in, but even if you don't want to do that, what you can do is you can relax uh, and avoid overfitting by uh, assuming that your distribution. Exactly. You can assume that the, the distribution is Gaussian, a student, or whatever distribution you want to say, and you basically try to match your data to that distribution. And then when you have your model that is basically assuming that your data com becomes comes from a student or or or, a, or 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 any other distribution, then you have your model, you get the sensitivities, and you will add those sensitivities into the into the portfolio optimization problem. And those sensitivities won't be the pure exact fit or your last month dynamics would be mm -hmm. something that has some flexibility because you have had some extra assumptions in your distribution. Again, what you mentioned about the the differential equation, obviously, if I am, I am just estimating from the data the conditional probability, assuming it comes from a partial differential equation, I don't know and I don't care. Mm -hmm. And that's the key thing. I don't really need to know how is that partial differential equation because what I only uh, want to know is that conditional probability, right? The mm -hmm. conditional probability of the constituents dynamics with respect to the common drivers, right? And you can use any type of model to, to, to basically model that conditional probability. Obviously, more models, some models will be better than others, right? Because um, mm -hmm. Not the model that that best overfits is the best model. Is the mo the model that best generalizes. And maybe you are a very good portfolio manager, or your colleague is very highly estimated as a portfolio manager, and he knows a lot about those assets. So maybe you can add some structure to that partial differential equation. So let's mm -hmm. say, for example, you have a portfolio of ten companies that your colleague knows a lot about it. Your model that you are using to 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 estimate the conditional probability of those um constituents with respect to the common drivers doesn't have to be just a model that 
is a neural network uh, feed forward and that's it. You can add, add a structure because your colleague knows something about it. Maybe it has an autoregressive component. They are they are momentum uh, equities. And because they are momentum equities, you can add an, you, 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 then you know it has some autoregressive component. So it's better fitted a recurrent neural network than a feed forward network. Right. Or maybe, maybe your co colleague knows a lot about those equities that is able to come up with some sort of equation. Mm -hmm. Then, by automatic differentiation, um, just what people do in the in the cell side with the derivatives, basically they are able mm -hmm. to approximate Black-Scholes and all these complex derivative uh, products. Because the, the, the good thing about uh, the, the, the cell side is that because they are uh, working on the risk-neutral measure, they are able to, to, to run a lot of experiments and they are able to, to control experiments and they are able to come up with equations that they the partial differential, the partial differential equation is already known in advance, right? Or, or the mm -hmm. stochastic partial differential equation is already known in advance. So, because they know in advance, they are able to use these uh, neural networks to approximate the solution, and even they're able to get the sensitivities of those derivatives mm -hmm. with automatic differentiation by doing a chain of derivatives that depends on the structure of the of the of the partial differential equation. But what if you have some people in the buy side that they know a lot about the behavior of these assets that they are able to come up with an equation maybe it's not the exact equation but it's something close to to or, or something that could improve just the simple equation that is a, a conditional uh, distribution then what you can do is use automatic agent differentiation by adding more structure and those sensitivities will incorporate this information from your colleague that adds uh, to the behavior of these assets right so mm -hmm. In the end, it's a very it's a very gener ge generic uh, framework, and 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 based on what you what you said, Leon, of Feynman CAC, to be honest, I really don't know if the assets, if the individual assets, are behaving as Feynman CAC, but I don't care. Yeah, yeah right. You see, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, the, the good thing, probably probably they are not behaving like Feynman CAC, but um, this is another thing that is useful for the buy side if. You are not able to know the partial differentiation in a, uh, the, the partial differentiation equation in advance, or the stochastic partial differentiation equation. Why not we give the data the chance to give us some insights of what, how, how is the, 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 the of of how is the, that partial differentiation equation or, or the stochastic differentiation equation? And I think that's very, very, very important in the coming years. Is going to happen. for all these all these uh management of derivatives one of the top uh, researchers sorry, in, I, in automatic... I lost you for yeah. 20 seconds yeah yeah sorry so no what i'm saying is that uh, in automatic differentiation which is something that is being implemented more and more in the cell side uh, departments mm -hmm. uh, and for example Antoine Sabine is one of the world experts in in, in this in this particular uh, approach he he just moved works right he he changed job from a cell side from a career of 30 years in cell side to a buy side firm right and probably what we were what we are going to see in the next uh, i don't know 5 or 10 years is that people are going to put some structure and they are going to try to estimate from the data, uh, these partial differential equations, differential equations of assets and portfolios, and mm -hmm. trying to basically, trying to basically, uh, once they know more or less what's the stochastic differential equation or partial differential equation of of these um, assets 
or even a portfolio based on the data. What they're going to do is going to use those sensitivities to, to hedge the portfolios because in mm -hmm. the end, mm -hmm. it's also something that you are doing, right? You are, when you are doing portfolio optimization, you are hedging a position with another, right? Yeah. It's exactly what you, the, the goal is, right? And you will see a lot of people from the sell side, a lot of quants that are experts in stochastic differential equations, differential differential equations that have been working in the Q measure, the regional measure, they will move to the to the to the to the buy side. Mm -hmm. They will they will try to 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 apply their knowledge in partial differential equations, stochastic differential equations, trying to put some structure in the dynamics of these assets and portfolios, trying to get the sensitivities to to basically hedge uh, their portfolios. Right. Great. Thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the trip. Uh, so uh, if I get it right, you're saying that given because I have a question. Um, so you're telling me uh, I don't care about the the drivers of the individual stocks, the individual particles of my system, because I I, I think I cannot model and I I'm not in the, I, I'm not interested in having uh, a one hundred percent causal model, assuming it exists, because it's too difficult to capture. So I want to exactly. approximate the causal model of the portfolio. So given the system, I want to control. I want to have a probabilistic. Uh, uh, I want to have a degree of, uh, of, of confidence in some. Pro you in you some not even you not even want that. You want a space in which you can project your particles, mm -hmm. and that space is casual and persistent, right? Right. Why? Why? Because uh, then it allows you to get those projections and diversify across those di directions. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. when, you are, when you are diversifying uh, in a, a portfolio, model the dynamics of a portfolio. I already said that that's even too difficult as well. Mm -hmm. What I said is that I wanted to optimize the diversification of that portfolio based on uh, you know, properties of the portfolio that are casual and persistent, right? Mm -hmm. Because then I can have a, I can have my problem bounded as much as possible to at least have the better, the best solution. For me, obviously, it would be better to have the best forecaster for the individual assets and then have the true dynamics and then get the covariance matrix and do Markovitz. That's the key, that's the holy grail, but you can't do that. For me, it would be even better to know what's the portfolio going to behave how the portfolio is going to behave for the next year and have the PDE that, that's give me exactly what is going to be the behavior based on all the causes of the portfolio. But I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But what I can do the best with what I got. And that's what we did. We focused on diversification. We wanted to project the, the assets or the particles into a space in which we could diversify. How do you diversify, for example, with a covariance matrix or a correlation matrix? The correlation is the cosine between uh, two assets, right? Mm -hmm. And basically what you're trying is to come up with a combination uh, of, 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 um, of weights that gives you a position in a plane so that those directions are uh, basically as orthogonal as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, why don't we project these constituents not in that plane in a hyper surface that is made up of the optimal drivers of this portfolio okay. and these and these drivers are optimal in persistent and causality then you can find orthogonal vectors in that hyper surface that allows you to diversify but with 
a causal component and that is persistent. And why do you call it, you call it hypersurface and not hyperplane because there is a dynamics associated with it? Because it's nonlinear. Because the, 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 the relationship between the, right. because the, it's a the, okay. the conditional distribution, uh, the conditional distribution is nonlinear. Okay, but okay. So my question, really interesting. But my question is, uh, if uh, the optimal, uh, I'll call them factor, causal factors. I don't know. You don't agree. Causal nonlinear factors, something like that. These, these, uh, these. Uh, they, they well, they're actually they're actually public listed information uh -huh. because probably your top ten drivers of the portfolio are the India stocks are the GDP in France, are the euro dollar. So mm. the key thing is that those drivers are publicly listed information. They are not a statistical factors that someone could be scared about because they don't know what they are or they might change tomorrow. Those are measurable public information that are defined as common factors mm -hmm. by the framework. So right. that's also another interesting thing that you don't really need to spend a lot of time and money trying to build factors or trying to estimate existing factors that are very hard to find because you need alternative data that is very hard to, to find. You don't really need to waste time in that because you already have those drivers in public listed uh, time series that you can extract from a Bloomberg terminal. Mm -hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but yeah, let's, I, let's continue my, with your my question. My question is uh, uh, if uh, the, the, the optimal uh, uh, driver of my portfolio is a function of the of the portfolio as a whole, so the, of, of the system I have to control, I want to control. Uh, how can I do one? Uh, I, I, I need both. I, sorry, do I need a rough estimate of the causal drivers? Well, do you think? Do you think that's the that's the key thing? I mean, if if you 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 are assuming that that thing could happen, for example, if you are uh, investing in a portfolio of indexes, let's say. Mm -hmm then your portfolio constituents become a candidate driver, right? And you're saying, what happens if uh, drive some, something is a candidate driver as well as a position in my portfolio? How could uh, this thing works, right? Well, first of all, uh, we have focus just on uh, positions that are not indexes because they have two components of risk, idiosyncratic component and systematic component, right? Mm -hmm. And basically, what uh, model portfolio theory tells us is that you can uh, diversify the idiosyncratic, but not the systematic component. What we say is, okay, by adding this exogenous information, which, which, which is basically what factor investing do, does as well, by adding exogenous information, you are able to, to, to maximize. Factor investing, by adding this exogenous information, is able to maximize some idiosyncratic, maybe not all, and some systematic, okay? Mm -hmm. And the reason why right. they are not able, the, the reason why they are not able to diversify all the idiosyncratic is because when you project into the hyper surface of these factors, you really have to be careful, right? If they are statistical factors, then you will have the canonical decomposition of a factor model. And by projecting the constituents in those statistical factors, it will allow you basically to diversify all the idiosyncratic component and some systematic. But if those factors are not statistical, are, I don't know, value or whatever other factor you want to invent, 
you were you won't be able to to because the 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 properties of the of the of the of the surface you are projecting those assets won't match so that you will be able to diversify all the idiosyncratic components. So and the idiosyncratic components sometimes in a portfolio is even much important than the systematic one. So you will lack of diversification. So that's point one. Uh, you really need some geometric link that allows you to basically what you are projecting in that deeper surface, you are maximizing all idiosyncratic and then the systematic component that you are diversifying will depend on the amount of information you are giving the system about the system, the market, the 10,000 drivers, and basically it will be some short, some amount of diversification that would be possible, other will be impossible, right? But the, the, the key component there is that if you focus on individual equities that has idiosyncratic and systematic, then uh, the model works much better than the competitors in the sense that, look, you have all the idiosyncratic, like factor investing, done properly, the statistical one, but the statistical one needs to be done properly as well, because it, you, you don't really, some people do a statistical factor models and they do it wrongly, or they, 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 you, you really need to do a properly statistical, statistical factor. You use the appropriate windows, you basically have to do a lot of, uh, you, have to be, you have to be very careful with how you calibrate your model, the data you're inputting, the noise, uh, all the things that uh, basically uh, statisticians take care of, right? Mm -hmm. uh, plus the non-stationarity component, because if you have a factor, a statistical factor model that is based on distributional assumption that, that the distribution doesn't change, then tomorrow you are going to have an issue. Mm -hmm. So you have to you need a statistical factor model that is uh, that takes into account regimes and also uh, probably you won't be able from one statistical factor uh, in one regime to another statistical factor uh, in another regime. You won't be able to find uh, a space in which you project the assets, you get the portfolio, and those weights work in, in those regimes. Yeah. What you will need to do probably is to rebalance your portfolio when you change your regime. Okay? Why? Because the statistical factor is going to give you a solution for the weights, then the regime changes that much that the optimal solution will be, look, change the weights. Mm -hmm. whereas, whereas, for example, so either you use a statistical factor that uh, has the canonical decomposition and allows you to project the assets, or you use our method that the fact that the drivers are commons and are optimal in probability of causality along the statistical property like the canonical decomposition of the statistical factors, plus the fact that it's not purely statistically driven. Mm -hmm. That causal component, that causal component that we extract with the uh, fact that they are common, mm -hmm. allows us, first of all, to, to, to have this, this connection with the canonical decomposition of the statistical factor. But it, it not only stays there, it also adds a dynamics component because you are estimating a, model, a conditional probability over a period of, or, 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 of how you predict uh, each portfolio constituent based on those drivers, you're getting the sensitivities, and that sensitivity information is giving you much more than mm -hmm. the covariance matrix you're getting in this, in this, um, in right. this uh, surface you are, you are trying to project the assets, right? So, and, and coming to your point in which, what if we do a, a portfolio of indexes? Well, there you have an issue, right? Because there, 
you have a mixture of systematic risks. Uh, so what you will end up doing is you will take out from your driver candidates whatever relationship uh, they may have with that index. So mm -hmm. let's say, for example, you have a portfolio of S&P and Nasdaq. You want you you, you don't want uh, to have a, as driver candidate something that is very similar to that. Mm -hmm. So you would get rid of that in your right. uh, driver's data set. You see. Yeah, yeah. But normally you don't have that issue because with individual equities, you know that uh, the individual equities are not drivers. Themselves. There is some idios, there is that much level of idios, idiosyncrasy in an individual asset that you don't have that issue. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think I had another question now, uh, but yeah, I see I see the value for sure. Um, uh, also, I like the language you speak in terms of dynamics because uh, when you mention about uh, you can have some prior and not overfit the data because it sounds a lot. And also, you have an example in the slides you sent me about uh, aerospace applications uh, because like filtering and having uh, having some prior on the uncertainty on the model you have. So maybe the reference statistics and the data you're observing, uh, you can tweak how much you want to overfit to the data, overfit to the model. So uh, exactly. I mean, I think the best uh, example. For, and that's why I mentioned that I do not care doing a PhD in autonomous driving. It's because it's yeah. just as autonomous portfolio management, right? You're just changing the 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 type of data in terms of, of, of ge geometry, but, but the problem is the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know what to ask. I mean, uh, I have many questions, but uh, for sure I, I see the value of uh, um, uh, one question I had is uh, about this uh, this framework in which you say you want to use data to approximate uh, uh, both to to yeah to approximate the solution of the relation between uh, the drivers and the and the and the assets, uh, but also the dynamics of the drivers themselves, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the next approach would be, uh, you know, just like for example, uh, you have volatility models, right, mm -hmm. and they are built up from tools with uh, ito calculus why not you can do the same thing with with, with the sensitivity right why not uh, mm -hmm. apply ito calculus to the sensitivity component and trying to basically uh, find find let's say uh, a way to 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 have models with uh, local sensitivities right mm -hmm. it's the same as you for example have for a derivative local volatility models why don't you can have a model with local sensitivities right and mm -hmm. also the sensitivity would move from just this simple uh, use case in the paper, which is just the standard approximation. Uh, the sensitivity is a function of the of the points you are uh, estimating. So, sorry, it's a function of the of the points of your training data, right? Mm -hmm. But what if uh, basically you are able to to basically find uh, an equation of, of, of the behavior of this sensitivity, right? Mm -hmm. And you are able to calibrate it from your data. Yeah. Then you will be able to have some sort of implied weight of your portfolio, yeah. right? Right. Thank Imagine you. you have a sensitivity, uh, you have a sensitivity uh, component, you are able to calibrate to your data. And, 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 but also that sensitivity has an equation itself, has a dynamics, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a stochastic differential equation of its own. We know some sort of framework about it. Uh, the good thing is that um, we couldn't do that before the commonality principle because the commonality principle allows you to have this casual 
mm-hmm. and persistent space in which you project and you can it's, it's kind of a risk neutral space so to speak mm-hmm. in the sense that it's not risk neutral but you are uh you know dealing in a space in which uh those assets when you project them have something in common and for the commonality right mm-hmm. when you have a risk neutral measure uh, like you do for example in, in in banking why why risk neutral works uh, for example for black show because everyone agree to use neutral uh, to use black show suppression option why the option market why black shows works in the option market right because everyone agrees to use black shows by then you have a risk neutral measure right but here you're not having the same thing but you uh, end up uh, projecting the space uh, projecting the, the the constituents in a space in which they have something in common right mm-hmm. and and that common commonality has 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 something to add value which is the probability of causality mm-hmm. which basically adds you a temporal component of behavior and it's persistent right you don't you don't lack of that in the next second so that allows you to basically kind of try to find equations stochastic differential uh, equations for these sensitivities then you can calibrate those sensitivities to market data mm-hmm. and 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 you can have an implied weight that depends on this sensitivity right just like for example you have an implied price of an option mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. so that's things i am trying to focus on uh, when i have time uh, <laughs> <laughs> on my daily <laughs> yeah. on my daily evenings really really interesting uh, yeah i think we discussed i mean uh, i i have i need time to digest let's say but uh, no really interesting uh, i i left to go back to the papers uh, in particular the one the one in which uh, you 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 have a uh, one paper uh, sorry i don't remember the title but in which you have this geometrics perspective in which you discuss uh, the projection and the fact that you can uh, you, you mentioned this um maximize the diversification in idiosyncratic without sacrificing uh, uh, exactly yeah you can do that because the canonical uh, you, you meet the canonical decomposition you meet the canonical decomposition of a factor model you won't be able to do that if if you weren't projecting the space uh, if you weren't projecting in a space that is form of common casual drivers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This causal component of the common causal drivers, the common the common probabilistic uh, causal drivers, allows you uh, to have the same properties as, as the hyperplane in which the factor model projects right. when when you're right. using a factor model, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and sure. you can only make that link. You can only make that link to causality uh, here, because people are talking about causality, and 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 of course causality is the solution, but it's very very difficult to get it's very difficult to find the casual component of of uh, i mean we are human beings yeah. we don't even know sometimes why we do things <laughs> so, <laughs> and we so how we're going to find the cause of one people investing in one asset and you add that to every single people in the world it's, it's highly difficult to extract the cause and effect of assets in the market right you can find the cause and effect of a particle an electron mm-hmm. but how people behave in the market some people are institutional investors most people are retailers how do you extract the cost and effect of the behavior of a retailer uh, it's impossible so but the good thing is you can focus on just this single link mm-hmm. which is not the best thing to do but at least it's something easy you can do you see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely valuable perspective uh, at least putting together to some extent uh, bayesian reasoning basically when you say probabilistic causality you you are uh, 
you're focusing on a causal causal representation, but then you don't say, okay, I can, I have all the knowledge in the world, therefore I don't need the lean statistics. I still need to have some uh, some Bayesian reasoning that uh, that informs this this causal framework. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, in reading your works, I prepared some questions, but you mentioned, I mean, I think it's clear the framework in which you move, and then uh, one can say, okay, I want to have a different statistic, so instead of uh, stochastic, I use fractional calculus for for color noise, or you mentioned. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, then, student, then if, uh, if you understand that you can use this framework with, with multiple linear regression and use the betas of your multiple linear regression as a way to 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 compute the weights, and also something I didn't mention. You use hierarchic. Uh, uh, you basically use the hierarchical structure of these sensitivities to to basically uh, solve the convex optimization problem, right? Mm -hmm. You you when when you basically project these assets into this space, uh, you compute the distance. Uh, it can be Euclid and it can be other one. Mm -hmm. uh, it actually matters, you know, because why Euclidean? I mean, mm -hmm. this space is not something that. Uh, it could work uh, uh, just uh, for Euclidean uh, distance, but once you have that uh, sensitivity matrix, the way you solve the the the, the problem, uh, you need to have in mind, okay, the connection between the sensitivity and risk itself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what we did, for example, is uh okay we cannot use quadratic optimizers to solve this uh problem with the sensitivity matrix because it doesn't meet the properties you know it's not invertible you know invertible whatever you could use other methods to get around the not invertibility of the sensitivity mm -hmm. matrix but does this lose perspective of what is the risk of an asset and a portfolio maybe it does mm -hmm. maybe you come up with a method that is able to diversify uh uh in this space in this complex space of sensitivities but you end up having something that it doesn't diversify risk mm -hmm. it probably it probably uh matches in some sense uh the dynamics of the portfolio mm -hmm. but does the solution in the way it actually nets or hedge the portfolio to minimize the risk that's when you have to uh, make the connection between the, the the sensitivity value and 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 the and, and, and a risk measure which could be the volatility or the variance covariance and that's for example what we do with uh, implementing hierarchical clustering and leveraging uh, from work by professor lopez de prado right what we do is uh, okay he basically make clusters of the correlation matrix just projection between assets no exogenous information and 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 they, with these clusters, basically, he's uh, basically giving a weight as a function of the volatility of these uh, clusters, mm -hmm. right? If uh, one cluster has more, more variance than another one, we give more weight or, or not to uh, an asset that forms part of the hierarchy or not, okay? Mm -hmm. So by doing a hierarchical uh, classing of the sensitivity matrix and analyzing the hierarchies of, of these sensitivities, which in the end are projection as well. They are not projections between assets, but they are projections between a common space of uh, of the assets, right? So mm -hmm. those projections, you can study the hierarchies and then come up with clusters. And then in those clusters, you can compute the variance or the volatility or the covariance between those clusters, which that's something that we understand is the risk measure is more used in finance. and use uh for example the um 
recursive bijection method from Lopez de Prado to come up with a weight that is a function of these sensitivities that as well is a function of these dynamics and all the framework, you see. But there must be another 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 links uh, uh, from these sensitivities to 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 the risk measures uh, that allowed you to to use a different numerical methods than just the the, the hierarchical clustering and the recursive bijection from Lopez de Prado. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Uh I see a, a connection with the uh, kernel methods. I mean, when you do PCA and you want to impose a nonlinear metric on, on your data, uh, basically uh, neglecting the fact that uh, uh, sensitivity and risk could be two different things because risk is in physical space, let's say, and, and sensitivity is in this nonlinear. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's like it's like doing a PCA in the kernel in the Hilbert space and then forgetting that you have to come back and just uh, be exactly, orthogonal yeah. there. But maybe maybe in this way you load you. Yeah, your portfolio is not risk adverse. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, maybe your portfolio does uh, is not measurable in terms of uh, volatility and covariance. It's right. measuring in some other measure. So you get an extra benefit, but you 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 cannot uh, talk about uh, diversification in terms of uh, risk and return, volatility and expected return. You mm -hmm. have to talk about risk in something else. Right. You see. Yeah, well, uh, I guess this is um, more than uh, a month of study, uh, but uh, no, indeed, I mean, non-linearity is difficult, but uh, there is a lot of value in, in, in thinking in these terms. Um, so, yeah, yeah I mean, I there mean, is a lot of things uh, to be done in the model, to be honest, like, um, because as I mentioned, the, the powerful thing is uh, the way to understand uh, uh, optimal portfolio drivers and, and, and then uh, how to use the sensitivities then everything is open so that uh, you can add information more and in better ways to get that trajectory uh, you know got a, to have a more realistic trajectory right mm -hmm. that trajectory that we talked in the beginning that Markovic was uh, wasn't able to to add and 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 no one that doesn't uh, add exogenous information is, is, is able to and and also the the key thing is now that you are talking about modeling, right? That now you are talking from an engineering perspective and trying to model the system. Whereas before, mm -hmm. you know, you, you cannot drive a car with just statistical factors of the wind and statistical factors of the of the other vehicles. You know, you need a model to see the dynamics of the different things that are involved in the road. You see, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's that's uh, something that I think it's going to happen in the next years. Interesting. Yeah, great. Uh, I guess we can close on that. Uh, uh, thanks a lot for, for the discussion. It's really interesting. No, thank you, you, too, giving me time to explain more the the work. And uh, yeah. Uh, I guess we can nice look to forward to, to your publications, because uh, I also read that since you are head of the, the quant team, you you can share the research. Correct, yeah. Uh, that's uh, something that, you know, it, it's always happened in the hedge fund industry. Some people are more secretive than others, so it depends on who who uh, is managing you know the the area in the company that it is for example mm, may uh, find more or less value in publications you know maybe mm -hmm. normally in the hedge fund industry people don't publish sometimes because they think they're going to steal their ideas right but i when i started heading the team uh, one of the key things i pushed to the company was that you really need to share to a research community what you do because then you firstly get back so you become better 
and and that's key thing because you cannot do something on your own never you really need to have uh, contact with a research community because uh it's it's key for research i mean when you are doing research unless you do you share with the community not just for giving input on does it really this make sense what is the impact of this uh how i can continue but also because there is always something someone in the other side of the room that is doing something similar to you or slightly different and you benefit from that so i think one teams uh, must publish and share with the community and 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 that's one thing that they understood it's beneficial not just because of marketing thing or maybe because you show to clients that you are contributing to the state of the art and you're something you're doing things uh, you know for for society but also because it's truly beneficial for the research and development of the company yeah, I see. Cannot agree more. Well, yeah. Thank you very much again for your time. Have a okay, nice evening. Thank you very much. See you. Bye.